Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. Surrounded by palms and scented with balsam groves, dates, honey, myrrh, and balsam form a continuous caravan of exports from the east to the east. For the Roman government, it is a lush center of taxation, plump, ripe, fragrant with revenue. And knee-deep in the harvest are the tax collectors. 
making sure that the proper due is rendered unto Caesar, and in the process, you know, a denarius or two also is rendered unto themselves. The crowd swells, the squeeze of the multitude grows claustrophobic as the more curious elbow for position. But for one man, elbows aren't enough. He is Zacchaeus, a short man. So short he can't see over the crowd. So short he has to climb a tree to catch a glimpse of the rumored Messiah. This morning, as we continue our preparation for the celebration of Easter, we will consider Zacchaeus and his encounter with Jesus. Perhaps in doing so, God will speak to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day, for the Easter season that we can look at different perspectives and aspects um, leading up to and including your death on the cross. And we thank you so much today and ask that you bless the rest of our meeting. In your name we pray. Amen. It's early spring in Jericho. For many, the eastern sun is a freshly minted coin of opportunity. But commerce is far from the minds of the crowd that mingles with the morning's shadows. For this dawn brings with it something more than the promise of commerce. It brings the promise of a Messiah. Tax collector and 
Somehow this short man had survived growing up in a tall world, growing up in the object of stares, growing up the brunt of jokes. In the jostled process of growing up, a part of his childhood was trodden underfoot, and that tender part of him died. But somewhere along the way to adulthood, Zacchaeus learned to compensate, first to laugh at the jokes, and later to fight back. And so, as he climbed the professional ladder, he stepped on anyone who stood in his way, anyone on the next rung up. He would show them, show them all. Someday they'd look up to him. At last, he made it to the top, chief tax collector, king of the hill, controlling commerce, king of the hill, greasing his greedy little palms with the sweat of the businessman's brow, king of the hill, looking down over Jericho. All eyes follow Jesus as he parts the sea of spectators on his way to that sycamore. Zacchaeus feels the darkness of his soul shrinking back. For years he has rendered unto Caesar, and now he must render unto Christ an account of himself. Zacchaeus locks onto the eyes that search the far reaches of his soul. They are the eyes of both a king and a friend. Ripples of contempt work their way through the crowd. Going where to stay? His house? Eating with a sinner? And in the same way you would welcome a friend you have yearned to see for a long, long time, Zacchaeus jumps down and welcomes Jesus into his home. As his feet hit the ground, a flood of repentant feelings bursts forth, feelings that had been dammed up for years. Zacchaeus goes out on still another limb. What took a lifetime to accumulate, one sentence of devotion begins to liquidate, and not by a token 10%, half to the poor, fourfold to the defrauded. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Look closely. Witness the miracle, a camel passing through the eye of a needle. Another dawn, centuries earlier, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down at the shout of Joshua's men. Today, another wall comes tumbling down in Jericho, this time at the offer of a king's friendship, this time the wall of a rich man's heart. And amid the rubble, that crushed, stepped-on part of this little man's heart springs to life, and later, with each gracious gift to the poor and with each payment of restitution to the defrauded, this little man's stature begins to increase, first in the eyes of Jesus, then in all the eyes of Jericho. Before Captain John comes to offer a pastoral prayer, we're going to sing Be Still for the Presence of the Lord.
the ability to come and to worship you in this place. We thank you, Lord, for the freedoms of this country that grant us the, the right to worship you in whatever way we would choose. And Lord, we have chosen this morning to come here to lift your holy name on high, to ask, Lord, that um, you would bless us, that, Lord, you would receive our worship, Lord, that you would also transform us bit by bit as, as we become more like your son. And God, I pray that today that process will continue, that Lord, through the songs, through the message, through your scriptures, in whatever way you would choose, Lord, through the working of your Holy Spirit, that you would affect the change in our lives that would bring more glory and honor to you. Lord, we confess this morning that we want to see you. We want to see you for who you really are. See you for ourselves with our own eyes. Not just the eyes of a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, an evangelist. Lord, we're tired of secondhand experience. We want to feel with our own hearts. If we have to climb a tree awkwardly, and undignified to do so, we will gladly do it, Lord. Please, come near. Lord, we'll be the one out on the limb, waiting. Forgive us for trying for so long to compensate for our own stunted growth. We've expected our work to increase our stature, along with our wealth. We confess we have sought these things, but help us to see as Zacchaeus saw that true wealth is found in giving and in giving back. Giving back to those we have taken from and begin investing our lives for your kingdom. Then and only then will our stature increase in your sight. Help us to see that, Lord, and give us the grace we need to invest our lives in you. So, Lord, this morning, as we continue in worship, overwhelm us with uh, your awesome presence. And Lord, might we realize that it's not we who seek you in the streets nearly as much as you who seek us in the sycamores. And Lord, might we be ready to respond when you call our name. For we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
ago there was a little-known play that was um, called Closed Because of Death, and it played off-Broadway in New York City. In this play, everybody dies and history comes to an end. Um, The earth is barren and a symbol of defeat. But in the last act, the scene shifts to heaven, and there is God sitting, staring off into the future, holding a baby in his lap. Just then, two angels pass by. One turns and says to the other, He isn't going to start over again, is he? And the other one, Doesn't he ever learn? The second angel says, Well, you see, that's precisely the difference between God and us. God always sees the chance to start over again. We as Americans place great emphasis on starting new things, a new position, a new marriage, a new career, even a new house (laughs) that we all hope for. There's something exciting about starting on these first few new steps in our journey. Let's open our Bibles to Luke 19, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. In this account, we find Jesus arriving in Jericho, and a great crowd awaits him. It was probably like the crowds that gather today when the president comes to town. Well, minus all the protesters, I think. Everybody was there, some devout believers, some were there out of curiosity. Businesses were shut down, schools were let out, household chores were set aside. Everybody turned out, all of them on the streets lining the way. Even the established church leaders were there to check out this traveling preacher who was causing such a stir. Let's read this again. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him. For he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried, and he came down, and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Well, From what we can see in this account, not all of the people were on the streets. One man was up a tree, literally, Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, and a dishonest one at that. But that 
was typical. The practice of tax collectors was to collect more than was actually owed so that they could pocket the profits for themselves. As Jesus came into the city of Jericho, his eyes found Zacchaeus perched up in that tree. Can you imagine how pathetic he looked? And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, because one of the descriptions was a fig tree. And I've smelled, has anybody smelled a sycamore tree? I wouldn't want to sit in a sycamore tree because they smell. But then when I think about the fig trees, because, you know, we were over in Turkey and Greece last year, and we saw these fig trees, and they're not big trees. So Zacchaeus had to have been really small to have chosen a a tree to sit in because it didn't get him that much higher up off the ground. He was the picture of loneliness and rejection, the outcast of outcasts, the lowliest of the lowly, and the heart of Jesus was touched. Isn't that just like Jesus? Jesus walked over, looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. Let's have lunch together. Now notice verse 7 of Luke 19 says there, when they saw it, meaning the crowd, they all began to grumble. That may be one of the most understated verses in the entire Bible. You can bet there was a murmur. The city officials were there. The leading citizens were there. The prominent business executives were there. The pillars of the church were there, even the core sergeant major, if they had one. And instead of having lunch with them, of all things, Jesus went to lunch with the number one con man in town. Now, that's where we have a blank area next, is we don't know what happened at lunch. We don't know what was said in Zacchaeus' home over the meal. But it must have been what they call a power lunch, because Zacchaeus came out a changed man, a penitent man, a new man. He was a man ready to start over and do better. Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give it back to them four times as much. Talk about a conversion. I mean, Zacchaeus was converted all the way down to his bank account. His soul was touched, his heart was warmed, even his pocketbook got converted, empowered by the love of Christ. Zacchaeus put the bad things he had done behind him and made a new start with his life. Have you heard the old joke about the private plane that was flying over the desert one day? And besides the pilot, there was also um, a scientist, a minister, and a Boy Scout. Suddenly the plane started spittering and sputtering and you know, they felt like they were going to crash. And the pilot tried everything to stabilize it, get it working, and keep going. But he gradually realized that it was hopeless. So he came back to the three passengers and he said to them, I'm really sorry. I've done everything I know how to do, but nothing's worked. The plane's going to go down. Also, I'm also sorry because we only have three parachutes. With that, the pilot grabbed one of the parachutes and jumped out of the plane. The three remaining passengers looked at each other. Finally, the scientist said, Well, I have to be saved. I'm the most brilliant scientist in the world today. The world needs my brilliant mind. And with that, he bailed out also. That left the minister and the Boy Scout. The minister looked at the Boy Scout. 
and said, Look, son, I've lived a long life, and I'm grateful for it. You're still so young. You have most of your life before you. Take the last parachute and bail out, I insist. The Boy Scout smiled and said, Well, Reverend, don't worry. We're okay because the brilliant scientist grabbed my backpack. Before Jesus came into his life, Zacchaeus had been in a situation like that, grabbing for the first parachute. He would selfishly have been thinking only of himself and of his own interests. Remember how he'd taken advantage of others. He had used others. He had cheated others. And he'd gotten rich at their expense. But then Christ came into his life that day in Jericho, and he turned his life around. Jesus came into his life and loved him. And that gracious and in that gracious act, Jesus empowered Zacchaeus to put arrogant selfishness behind him and instead to take up the torch of love and graciousness and thoughtfulness and generosity towards others. If you need to make a new start with your life, you need to put selfishness behind you. Christ is the one who can empower you to do just that. But Zacchaeus's conversion was more than just external. Before Christ came into his life, Zacchaeus would have been the picture of loneliness. The only friends that he probably had were other tax collectors and the kind of friends that money can buy. But when Jesus reached out to him, it wasn't for what he could get. He actually was interested in Zacchaeus as a person, and he called him by name. I'm sure that Zacchaeus was used to be calling anything but his own name. There's something special about the sound of your name. When the phone rings at home and I pick it up and they mispronounce our last name, I know that it's probably a salesman because everybody else would pronounce it right. They don't even care enough to get the words right or the name right. But when someone goes to the trouble of knowing your name and using it, it's special. Bethany quite often tells me at home how frustrated she gets when teachers will call her Brittany or Stephanie or something like that. Now, there's nothing wrong with those names, but they're not Bethany's name, and it really exasperates her. Our names are special to us. So imagine Zacchaeus's shock when Christ called Zacchaeus by name. The folks here at the Citadel like to talk, each other, talk to each other. And that's really evident after church when you look around and there's groups all over the sanctuary just talking and visiting. That, and to me, that means that you truly love each other. And you know each other, and you use each other's names. You know, and that's what the church is supposed to be like. It's to be a place where you find fellowship, friendship, and love. To borrow a phrase, it's to be a place where everyone knows your name? That's the way it is with Jesus. I'm sure Zacchaeus never worried much about people's names, except to be sure that they had paid their taxes. But Jesus taught Zacchaeus something that long day ago, and I think that it's a good message for us also. <clears throat> we Americans love to develop new things, to go where no man has gone before, to do what no person has ever done even if that means putting a man on the moon. But I wonder if sometimes we miss the power of 
not starting something new, but of something of but of starting something over. Do you need to make a new start in your life? Do you need to put loneliness behind you and then get involved with the church where everyone knows your name? More importantly, do you, like Zacchaeus, need to encounter Christ? He's the one who can empower you to make a new start. That's what the story of Zacchaeus is all about, the chance, with God's help, to start all over again. Let me ask you something. Do you need to make a new start in your life? If so, there are some things that need to be are there some things that need to be left behind? That's what Zacchaeus's story teaches us. Through the love of Christ, you can have a new beginning, but for that to happen, you have to put some things behind you. Zacchaeus discovered that day in Jericho long ago that he could have another chance. He could make a new start. With the help of God and by the grace of God, some things can be put behind us, and we can have a new beginning. And this is the good news of our faith, isn't it? That we can start over again. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the opportunities to start over. I thank you for your love for us, that, that we know that we can start over and that you'll accept us no matter where we're at. Help us to remember that you are the God of second chances, that you want us to be successful in life, and that you want us to have a relationship with you. In this season of Lent, Lord, help us to seek you and to find you. Help us also to allow others to have second chances and to even assist them in the process. Lord, may you be glorified in our lives today. We ask this in your name. Amen.
This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.